cool. Hey, if you guys would please open your Bibles to uh, Galatians chapter six. We'll be going through verses seven through 10 today. Um, and yeah, if you don't know me, like she said, I'm Caleb. I'm from Lebanon Calvary Chapel and I'm on staff there. I just help with like the youth group. And we have this um, program, it's called the Potter's House. There's like people from ages like 18 to 25 um, who just want to grow closer to the Lord and want to learn some basic disciplines. Um, we do things like cardio throughout the week. We do Bible studies throughout the week and devotionals and things like that. And so um, that's kind of what I'm part of, but ultimately just a servant of the Lord, right? Doing whatever God calls us to do. Um, and this is what he's called me to. So I'm really, really excited, super excited to be here because we're all part of the family of God. Um, and I don't know many of you, but I love all of you. <laughs> so, you know, I'm seriously I'm super, super excited, but let's just go ahead and read the passage and then we'll um, do, get dive into some context and we'll pray as well. So Verse seven of chapter six in Galatians. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Father God, we just come to you today and we just ask for your grace. Father, I ask that um, you would be with my mouth, Lord. I ask that you just get me out of the way, Lord, so that you can speak, Father, um, through this passage. I ask for everybody here, Lord, that you would encourage them, Lord, um, just not to grow weary of doing good. And Father, as we talk about reaping and sowing, I just pray, Lord, that we would uh, sow to obedience to you, Lord, and that you would use us mightily for your great name's sake, Father. So ask that you'd be here today in your name. Amen. So Book of Galatians was written uh, by Paul, and it was written... Oh? Is that better? Hey, first time ever using one of these, so you know, you guys have to... Uh, struggle with me, <laughs> but, but written by Paul, and it was written uh, to a church that was really struggling um, with legalism. They had, because remember, like Christianity, right, starts in Jerusalem, it starts in Israel, and then it goes and it expands out to all the Gentile nations, and Galatians, Galatian, the Galatian church was largely Gentile, but what happened was the Jews, um, they didn't really like the fact that they were free from the law. And they thought that the law was necessary in order to uh, be righteous, in order to um, be right before God. You had to follow it perfectly, right? Follow the Sabbath, follow the new moons, all those different things. And so they came to these Gentile Christian churches and they would tell them like, oh no, you're not actually saved until you start practicing the Sabbath. Then you're actually saved. And and so what happens is Paul now writes this letter to the Galatians, uh, speaking to them, trying to tell them, like, here's the purpose of the law. Here's why God gave us the law. And he explains it in chapter three, verse 24. He says, the law was a tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by grace. And this is really the main message in the book of Galatians is that, that it, the law was there as a tutor, like a teacher to help us, to lead us to Christ. It's there to tell us like, we're not good enough, right? If we try to follow the 10 commandments perfectly, one thing we'll find out is that uh, we can't do it, right? And it's really, really difficult. And, and that's why we need Jesus. And that's the whole point of the law is to point us to Christ uh, and to point us to grace, right? Unmerited favor. Uh, it's, it's, it's God loving us because that's just who he is and that's just what he does. Um, and yeah, and then it says justified, right? Just as if we never sinned. Um, and so now we're free from the law. And that's kind of what he goes into in chapters five and six is that we're free from the law. Now we're living under the law of liberty and under the law of love. Um, 
And he talks about this though in, in chapter five, verse 13. He says, not to use their freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but rather through love to serve one another. So now that we're free from the law, now that we have this opportunity in Christ um, to receive grace that by his blood on the cross, right, we're, we're forgiven of all of our sins, we have an opportunity to serve others. We have the opportunity now to obey our flesh or to obey the spirit. And that's what he goes into um, in chapter five, verses 16 through 26. And we won't read all of it, but the basics idea that he gives us and the basic truth is that, that he gives us is that we have a flesh and we have a spirit, right? And it's kind of kind of like these two natures and they're always in opposition to one another. They never agree with one another. To put it really basically, our flesh is saying like, I want to disobey God. Our spirit is saying, I want to obey God. Like if we put it simplest terms, that's what it'd be saying. And so they're always contrary to one another. If you have a part of you that says like, yes, I need to go and pray for this person. There's going to be something in your flesh that says, I don't want to. That's scary. Um, I would rather go talk to my friend or whatever. Or I, I prayed for somebody last week. You know, whatever it is, right? We always have a flesh that's crying out. That's telling us like, I don't really like that very much. God says, hey, you need to confess this sin to me. And as part of your flesh, it's like, I don't really want to. This is not very fun. It's not very comfortable. I don't really like it very much. Uh, and, and this is the struggle that we go through. But they're both very, very real in a believer's life. And the cool thing is, as we learned about this in Romans 6, is that the power of the flesh is broken over us. So we don't have to listen to our flesh ever again, right? When Jesus died on the cross, so too our flesh died with him. And so we don't have to listen to the flesh. We can listen to the spirit. We can obey God. Um, We don't have to disobey God any longer. We're no longer slaves to it. but now in chapter six, it's kind of like what Paul does at the end of every letter. You know, how he kind of does like machine gun fire, he gives a few points at the end really, really quickly. And that's what he does here in chapter six is first he talks about bearing one another's burdens and then kind of bearing our own load. And then in verse in verse six, he says to share all good things with those who teach. But then now in verse seven, he goes into this new point. And this principle, guys, it's so like, it's so basic and it's so absolute. It's like, I don't know, it's absolute is like, the car breaking down the one month that you thought you'd save money or like the baby crying in the morning. You know, it's as absolute as like the idea that we need to breathe in order to live, right? It's really, really basic, this idea of reaping and sowing. So Paul starts out and he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever man sows that he will also reap. And the language is literally like, stop being deceived. And, And we can be deceived so easily thinking that God can be mocked. And it might, we might not say that out loud, but we say it through our actions, right? Um, we're living in disobedience to God. And, and like, I don't know, maybe we don't get in trouble right away, right? We don't reap what we sow right away. We're like, okay, I'm getting away with it. This is actually kind of fun. And um, this is actually giving me a little bit of joy, a little bit of peace. Like this actually works. And we think that God doesn't see. We think that God doesn't hear. And we think that God doesn't know. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that God's not mocked. We will reap what we sow. Uh, and we can also kind of go the opposite way where we're serving the Lord. We're going all out for the Lord. We're, we're putting time in, we're putting tears in, we're putting late nights in, whatever, right? And and we're like, I just don't see the reward for all of these times in prayer. You've been praying for that one person, right, for 10, 20 years, and, and you just don't see the reward for it yet. You don't see the fruit for it yet. And you're wondering, like, all right, God, like, why does your word say this? God's saying, even in that, like, he's not going to be mocked by unbelievers or by believers. And we will reap what we sow. And so we're going to get into four basic principles of reaping and sowing. And the first one is that you reap what you sow. So if you plant like a blueberry bush, what kind of berries are you going to get? 
Blueberries, yes. Okay, if you plant a strawberry bush, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of fruit are you going to get? Strawberries, super basic, right? If I plant a field of wheat, I'm not going to get a field of apple trees. Like I'm not going to grow a field of cars. You're going to, you're going to sow something, you're going to get exactly what you planted. Uh, it's really, really simple. But then when we apply it to our lives, like Paul does here in verse eight, for he who sows to the flesh uh, of the flesh will reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. So if we are sowing into sin, if we're sowing into our flesh, right? Disobedience to God, we are going to reap corruption. We're going to reap moral decay. Um, we're going to fall further and further out of relationship with God, right? If you put this really practically, if I am um, sowing into comparing myself with other people all the time, I'm probably going to reap jealousy. I'm probably going to reap bitterness. If I am sowing into like, I don't know, I'm always listening to some terrible music, right? That just has cussing all over it or, or, or movies that have cussing all in it, then like, you're probably going to be that person who, when he stubs his toe, he actually slips and, and says that cuss word or whatever else, right? And I mean, you imagine the person who never hears those words um, won't be slipping or whatever else. If we're watching videos or movies or whatever else that are inappropriate, we're probably going to reap a lustful mind, right? These are just basic principles of reaping and sowing. And, and the thing is, is that as we as we reap and sow into the flesh, as we sow into disobedience to God, um, we begin to reap corruption as in we corrupt where we find our joy. We corrupt where we find our peace. We corrupt where we find our strength, right? At one point, maybe in our walk with the Lord, um, we ran to the Lord. We ran to the word. We ran to prayer. We ran to fellowship. We ran to worship, all those things to find our peace, to find our joy, to find our comfort. But then as we started to kind of fall into sin and started being disobedient to God, and we kind of fall further and further away from it, we find out that, um, our motives or our ways of getting peace, it's corrupted. We think that a TV will now uh, give us that peace that we need or that rest that we need. We think that a drink or a drug or whatever else, a person, it doesn't matter what it is. We think that those things are going to be the things that give us what we need. When in reality, it's the Lord, but we get corrupted, right? But now here's the cool thing. The same thing happens when we sow to the spirit, right? It says that we'll reap everlasting life. We know from John 17, three, that everlasting life or eternal life is knowing God. It's it's running after God. It's having a personal relationship with him. Like you guys know that person, I don't know, I feel like we all have somebody in our lives who is just, they always have a word of encouragement or they always have a word of counsel, right? When you have, have a problem going on and they're just like, here's the Bible, here's the Bible. And they always just give it, right? It's, why do you think that? do that. It's because they're constantly sowing to the spirit by getting in their devotions, reading the word, right? Compared to the person who's not in the word, they have nothing to give, right? Because they, they haven't been sowing to the spirit. Um, when we sow in, into prayer, right? We're just surrendering our lives to the Lord. We're just saying, okay, Lord, you got this. We're going to reap peace because that's what the Bible promises. And when, we're, when we're praying with thanksgiving, laying our supplications before him, we will reap what we sow. Uh, and the second principle is that you will reap more than you sow. So if you plant like one blueberry bush, how many blueberries are you going to get? More than one, right? Yeah, I guess everybody agrees. Like you're gonna, if you, I, was, I was doing this with the middle schoolers and the high schoolers, and they, they, they're, like, they're reacting with me every single time. I was going a little bit quicker, asking them questions, and they respond to me like, okay, if I plant one blueberry bush, how many blueberries am I going to get? And they're all like, one. I'm like, no, that's more than one. That's going to be so much harder than I thought. No, but, but yeah, you get more than one, right? Same with a strawberry bush and same with like, I don't know, if you plant like one seed of like grass seed, you can get like 10 to 16 blades of grass from one grass seed. So 
Basic principle, right? You reap more than you sow. Um, really, really important to understand. And we see this um, throughout scripture. Like maybe like look at David. You guys remember David, right? Um, he was a king. He was a, a man after God's own heart, but he sowed to the flesh, right? With Bathsheba in 2 Samuel uh, chapters 11 through 12. He commits adultery with Bathsheba, right? And then he goes and murders her husband, a terrible, terrible deed. And then we have Nathan the prophet. He comes to him and, and David actually asks for forgiveness, right? He repents. God's gracious to him. He absolutely is. God said, I was going to take your life, David, but now I'm going to spare it because you asked for repentance, for forgiveness. But David still had to reap the consequences of his actions for the rest of his life. You guys remember what, what Nathan said? He said that the sword was going to be against David and his household forever. Like, and so what happened, if you look at the rest of Samuel's life, sorry, not Samuel's, David's life from that point forward, you'll find out that there's, there's family drama, drama. Like you guys remember Absalom, right? He ended up betraying his own father. That was, that was uh, David's son. He betrays him, kicks him out of his kingdom, hunts him. David has to end up, him and his army has to end up killing Absalom. Um, he loses his son and, and, and he loses his firstborn kid with Bathsheba. Like all of these things, he's reaping way more than he had sown. Uh, and we see this all over. How about like Paul, right? Paul Paul wrote the letter to the Galatians, right? And that was like an act of obedience to God, a simple act of obedience to God. And I, we don't have no indication in scripture that um, Paul knew that this letter would be put in the Bible and then last thousands of years and touch billions of lives. He was just being obedient to God by writing the letter of Galatia, to the Galatians, right? And we can apply the same thing to our lives, right? On the negative side, one act of sex outside of marriage can, can lead to divorce. It can lead to deadly sicknesses. It can lead to losing children. It can lead to losing a job. Uh, you know, one time getting drunk, right? And you're maybe a drunk driver. You, I've heard of it before. They hit, a, they hit a car. The car has a kid in it. The kid dies. That person's in jail for the rest of their lives. Like it's, it's one act of disobedience and yet they're reaping way more than they had sown. Like you, you, you sow one lie, right? And then you have to like lie to cover up that lie and lie to cover up that lie and lie to cover up that lie. And you sowed one lie and you reaped a thousand lies and you're just on a, a mountain of lies and it's horrible and you lose friends and you break trust and it's hard, right? Uh, God tells you to share the gospel with somebody. You share the gospel with them. They come to church they get saved, right? And then now them and their whole family are going to be affected and generations will be affected. Like you guys, like fathers, right? Mothers, you guys have such an important job. Like I'm young enough, like, so I'm like 19, right? I'm old enough just now to like start like uh, understanding how thankful I am for my parents. And really, I am so thankful for what they've done. Like they were, they were faithful to make me go to church. They were faithful to make me do the things that I didn't really want to do. Uh, going to Bible studies and all those different things, but they were being obedient to God. That's all they were doing, right? And by the grace of God, now they're reaping what they had sown in so much a bigger way. Like now I'm, I'm teaching a congregation, right? I mean, and that's just because they were simply being obedient to God. Uh, and, and now you get to see the consequences of their actions in a positive way, right? But then it's the same thing. If we're not being faithful to whatever God's called us to, we're going to reap more than what we had sown. So you, as parents, right, if, if not being, uh, I guess I shouldn't say we, but if, if you guys aren't being the faithful to doing it God's way, to parenting God's way, to leading God's way, to being a faithful husband, God's way, to being a faithful wife, God's way, then you're going to reap the consequences of those actions for years to come. 
It's a very, very important thing to understand. Uh, and we really need to know this with all of our hearts. And maybe God tells you to get involved in a ministry. Like, like I always think of like the sound team for us at church, we always joke around. We say like, no one knows about the sound team until they mess up. And then it's like, oh, what are they doing? You know, but then there's like 10 like amazing Sundays before that, right? But, but it's really cool because, um, you know, I don't have the loudest voice in the world and they help project the voice, right? Or whatever else. It's a very simple act of obedience. Yeah, it's allowing, you know, 40, 50 people to hear God's word. It's, it's beautiful, right? You have the worship team. Um, they're just worshiping God and they happen to, God bless them with good voices or with talents with instruments. And yet they're being obedient to God and leading all of us in worship. Or those who are in kids ministry or nursery, right? A simple act of obedience to God, yet they're affecting generations. Uh, you will reap more than you had sown. And the third one is that you reap in accordance to how much you sow. And this is based off of uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. It says, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So to put it in like agricultural terms, right? If you're um, going to have 10 acres of land and you only sow into one acre of land, you're only going to produce one acre of wheat, right? Now, if you sow into all 10 acres of wheat, and so wheat into all 10 acres, then you'll produce 10 acres of harvest, right? I mean, we, we all see all the fields out there, right? Every single year, every single summer. Um, so we kind of know how this works. But, but when we apply it to our lives, it gets kind of like, oh, this kind of makes sense. So if you have like, let's just say like, I don't know, like you go to church on Sundays, right? And you go to like a Bible study throughout the week or something like that, like two seeds of obedience to God. Uh, and then the rest of our, of our weeks, we sow to the flesh, right? So now we have our, the field of our lives. We have two seeds of obedience to God. And then we have a whole bunch of thorns growing all around it. Like, do you expect those, those bushes, those, those good seeds to prosper, to take root and to actually grow and produce fruit? Like we, we can't, right? Because everything else, all the other seeds we're planting are all disobedience to God. Uh, so this is why we can't just do church on Sunday and then whatever else we want to do throughout the rest of the week. And um, we can't expect actual growth to happen. And Jesus even talks about this in Matthew 13, verse 22. I mean, he's speaking about the seed here, he's talking about the word. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and care and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. So, right, this is what's happening. You have, you have this, this good seed, right? You, whatever you hear on Sunday, this good seed, it comes and it takes root and it's awesome. And then it gets choked out because the rest of the time um, that they're planting seeds, it's all to the flesh. It's all disobedience to God. So we can't expect um, a lot of growth Right? We can't expect a lot of fruit in our lives. Like, man, I just don't, like, I just don't have the fruit of the spirit in me, right? You know, I don't have the, the love, the joy, the peace, the, the self-control. I don't have the kindness. It's, it's not natural to me. We have to ask ourselves, like, what are we, what are we planting in our lives? Is, is, it, is it time in God's word, right? Is it time hanging out with other believers? Um, how, do, how do we look at church and then how do we look at work, right? Is it the same or is it different? Um, super, super important to understand this. Um, we can't be sowing sparingly to the spirit and then sowing bountifully to the flesh because then we will reap sparingly to the spirit and we will reap bountifully to the flesh. And the consequences of, of both of those things uh, is yeah so important. Okay, fourth principle. And this one's, I don't know, I feel like this one's the easiest to forget. Uh, and, and we're going to build, kind of try to build a case for it. It says um, in verse nine, let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. 
You reap later than you sow. So the, the second that, you know, okay, so we have the harvesters, we have everybody who does farming, right? Uh, they don't reap more than once a year, right? They, they spend all year taking care of the crop, nurturing, watering, gr- watering, growing it, and all those things um, so that they can have one harvest out of the entire year. And then they start the process all over again, and now they have to work for it again, right? So they, they reap later than they had sown. And this is why we cannot grow weary while doing good. Like for some of us, the reason why we aren't seeing fruit in our lives right away isn't because we're being disobedient. It's because it's not the season for it. And we can see this all throughout the Bible, right? Look at like Joseph. You guys remember Joseph? He was like the favorite child of the 12, right? And his brothers hated him. They were jealous of him. They sold him off into slavery. Okay, but this guy, he wasn't being disobedient to God. As a matter of fact, even in Egypt, right, under Potiphar's care, he was obedient to God. He was so faithful that Potiphar put him in charge of over everything in his whole house. That's how faithful Joseph was. Did, did Joseph get rewarded for it? What, what ended up happening? Potiphar's wife wants to have an affair with him, right? Joseph's obedient to God once again, says, no, I'm not going to do that. But Potiphar's wife lies to Potiphar. Pot, Potiphar throws Joseph in prison, and now he's in prison for being obedient to God. Like, how does that work, right? And then even in prison, he's obedient to God. He's in there and, he, and he's so faithful even in prison that he becomes um, the head over that whole prison area that he was in. And then you have the cupbearer and you have um, the baker, right? They come into prison and they both have a dream. Joseph's faithful to interpret these dreams. The, the, the cupbearer, he's gonna live and the baker, he's gonna die, right? And, he, and Joseph pleads with the, with the cupbearer. He's like, please remember me when you come before Pharaoh. And tell him I'm innocent. Like I should, I don't need to be here. And, and the cupbearer's like, yeah, of course I'll come. And then he forgets him for two years. And it's like, oh man, right? And again, Joseph hasn't done anything wrong. Joseph's being obedient to God. Joseph's being faithful. And yet we still see that he wasn't reaping what he had sown. And the whole process between Joseph um, being cast into slavery and then when he finally comes before Pharaoh is 20 years so he spent 20 years being obedient to God, not seeing the, the consequences for his actions in a good way, right? But then when he does, what happens? He becomes second in command over all of Egypt, um, and really he ends up saving the world from famine. There were seven good years and seven bad years, and God used him um, and his faithfulness to help save the whole land. And then and now you have 22 years from when he was cast into slavery until he sees his family again. 22 years before he saw his mom and dad, or his, his dad again, 22 years before he saw his brothers again, but God allowed him to make amends. He finally saw the consequences for his actions, right? He was finally reaping what he had sown, but it took so long. Look at Isaac. Isaac prayed for his wife, Rebecca, to have a kid for 20 years, 20 years before she actually had a child. And Isaac prayed for 20 years. Or you could look at Saul, right? In a negative light. You guys remember Saul? He was the first king um, of Israel and he was, he was kind of, he was set up for success, really. Uh, he was given a new heart, right? And he was supposed to be like, he was the tallest, head and shoulders taller than everybody else. He was supposed to be like the guy. And he was disobedient to God. Uh, and God said, hey, I'm going to take away the kingdom uh, of Israel from you. You're no longer king over it. I'm going to give it to a man who's a man after my own heart, which was David, right? But the crazy thing is, is that Saul still was king for another like 12 plus years. He even chased David around for a while, right? He had not reap the consequences of his actions for 12 plus years, right? So, so we have to understand that we don't always reap what we sow instantly. You can even look at like Joshua, right? Joshua and Caleb, they were like spies in the land, right? Uh, when they were going into Canaan, they sent out 12 spies, 
All 12 of them come back and they're like, there's giants, there's huge armies. I don't know if we can do this. Joshua and Caleb were like, no, God's got this, right? And they ended up having to spend 40 years in the wilderness with everybody else who was disobedient to God before they could reap what they had sown, which was going into the promised land. But they, they, they did it, right? God uh, blessed them for their obedience, but they still had to wait. Uh, and this just so reminds me, I'm trying to build a point, a really strong point of this is because it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to lose heart, right? Um, when we're praying for lost ones, loved ones um, who aren't walking with the Lord, it's so easy to lose heart. It's so easy to give up. Um, it's so easy to, to get, even like in serving the Lord, it's so easy to make it mundane. It's so easy to make it just the routine. Uh, when serving your family, right, it can be so easy to forget how important it is that we go all out every single day. It can be very, very easy to grow weary and to lose heart, right? Even like Colossians 3.23, it says, work heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. So the message God's given us, the goal God's given us, the command that God has given us is to work hard, like all the time, even when all the coworkers are being lazy, right? Everybody else is like the, they, um, they like to please the boss. They like to do it, work hard when the boss is around and then not work hard when the boss isn't around, right? And God's telling us that we need to work hard all the time. It can be really easy after seven, eight years of doing that to just be like, well, everybody else is doing it. I don't see myself reaping for what I'm doing. Like, I don't see any reward for this. I'm just going to hang out and do it like everybody else does it, right? And, and it's really easy to stop doing it God's way. Or Luke 18.1, make Men always ought to pray and not lose heart. It can be so easy to lose heart in prayer um, because we forget what God's doing. Or when God's refining us, right? When God's putting us through a trial and we don't understand, we don't know the answers, we don't understand why, we don't understand how, it can be so easy to just lose heart and just give up and just start doing it the world's way and start sowing to the flesh, right? It can be so, so easy. We don't want to lose heart in these things. We don't want to grow weary uh, during the times that God's refining us. We know that's when God's making us more like him, right? We know that's when God's preparing us for something greater in the future. But the key is, right? Because this is a, a conditional promise. So there's a conditional in verse nine. It says, let us not grow weary while doing good, right? For in due season, we shall reap. But there's a big if there, if we do not lose heart. So that means that if we lose heart, right, there will be less of a reward. Um, really simple. Again, if you are watching somebody go in and plant a field, they grow the field, right? And they're nurturing it and they're caring for it every single month of the year, except for like the last two months before harvest season. Like they're going to lose their harvest, right? because they stopped caring for it. It's, it's what it's saying here. We can't grow weary of doing good because if we do not lose heart, then we will see the reward for the good that we were doing. We can't stop nurturing. We can't stop growing. Um, you know, I, I, it's like, I don't know. It's like when, I feel like so often when we're in our walk and we're going through a hard time, it's like when you're underneath the water, right? And you're, and you're swimming to the top and you see the, the, the top right there, but your lungs are giving out of breath and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can make it. But right when you break through, you feel your lungs up again, right? But if you stopped swimming, if you stopped pushing, then you wouldn't have made it. And so often we're like that close. We're just right there on the brink of breakthrough and then we lose heart and we miss out. Uh, so the question then would be like, how do we 
not lose heart, right? How, what's the realistic way of not losing heart? How do we actually not grow weary, right? If you like had a guy and you wanted him to be a bodybuilder and you wanted him to grow to be really strong, you're not just going to tell him to work out, you know, five, six days a week. You're going to tell him like, you need to make sure you're eating healthy. You need to make sure you're drinking lots of water. You need to make sure you're getting lots of sleep because if you don't do those things, your body's going to get tired. It's going to grow weary and you're going to have to stop. You're going to get sick, whatever else. So you would, you would set him up for success by telling him like, this is how you don't grow weary, right? This is how you uh, take care of yourself. Well, it's the same thing with our spiritual walks, right? We need to be getting our meals in for the day. Uh, Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. We can't, like, just don't starve yourself, right? Imagine you uh, ate as often as you read God's word. Like, would you, would you be healthy? Right? It's a good question to ask ourselves because um, we can't starve ourselves spiritually. We can't starve ourselves in our spiritual walk because uh, if we do, then we're not going to last. We're going to grow weary. We're going to get skinny, so to speak, spiritually, right? We're going to start um, losing muscle even. It, it's so hard, right? If you're constantly pouring out, you need to be constantly being filled up. Uh, if you're serving in the church, you need to be right, spending time in God's word, receiving strength from him. And the other one is that, is that we need to be praying, right? Colossians 4.2, continue earnestly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Or 1 Thessalonians 5.16, pray without ceasing. Or even this one, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isn't it so often that um, stresses and anxieties can cause us to grow weary um, when, right, when, when finances are tight or whatever else, right? It's so easy to get stressed out. It's so easy to let it choke you, to let it consume you. You know, you stay up late at night trying to figure out how do I do this? How do I survive this? I go and read Psalm 127 verse two. It basically says, stop staying up all night trying to, trying to figure it out. God gives rest to those whom he loves, right? You don't have to stay up all night figuring it out when you know that God has it. That's what this verse is saying. It says, be anxious for nothing. That means like the worst case scenario, worst thing possible. You don't have to be anxious about it. You don't have to worry about it. What you do, instead of worrying about it, instead of trying to over plan or whatever else, you fall on your knees before God. Right? And you say, Lord, I can't do this, <laughs> but I'm thankful because you can. Right? Right? Remember who we're talking to. We're talking to the creator of the universe who created everything. <laughs> There's nothing too big for him, right? There's nothing too great for him. If, if he can die on the cross and raise, raise himself from the dead, I'm pretty sure he can take care of us, right? He's a mighty God. We have to remember who we're talking to. And I, just, I believe that's really why he says, let our request be made known to him with thanksgiving. Like we need to be giving thanks as we pray because it reminds us of who we're serving, right? Uh, like something that I do just really, really practical. Like I actually keep a prayer journal and I write prayer requests down and then I'll star it, like we put a little star on it in the date, anytime that I see God answering that prayer. And the reason why I do that is because it shows me like, oh, God's answering prayer. God works. Because then the next time I'm going through something really difficult or really hard, I can look back in my prayer journal and see like, oh, look, God's been faithful 5,000 times. I'm pretty sure he can be faithful this time too, because it's so easy to forget how God was faithful last time. Uh, but we really need to be waiting on the Lord and let the Lord strengthen us. Isaiah 40 verses 29 through 31. It says that he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. 
what the Bible's saying is like, right, even the youth. So like you in your prime state, the best that you can do in and of yourself is not enough. Right? We just have to accept that. We're not enough, right? We're not good enough. We're not strong enough. I don't have enough self-control in and of myself, right? I don't have enough strength in and of myself to keep going. I will grow weary. I will faint. I will fall. That's what the Bible is declaring. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, right? So we have to wait on the Lord. It's as simple as that. We can't depend upon ourselves. If The more that we depend upon ourselves, the more we'll find ourselves flat on our face, wondering what happened, right? <laughs> just what, it, I've been there so many times. Um, I think that I don't need God and I stop praying about it. I think that I'm strong enough to do it on my own and I don't ask for his help. And then here, there I find myself on my face, right? Asking God, oh, please help me uh, out of this hole that I put myself in. It, it's so easy. And the other one is worshiping him, right? If you, I don't know if you guys ever go and read the Psalms, but if you go and read the Psalms, you'll find that uh, there's a lot of times when they're in intense trials and they're suffering and they hate life and they worship God. They praise him, right? In the midst of those things, they're raising their hands, so to speak, um, praising him, saying like, Lord, I surrender to you. Lord, you're worthy of praise even when life seems to suck, right? Uh, Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Uh, the problem is not God's strength, right? The problem is whether or not we're running to God for strength. Psalm 55.22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you, right? We have to be casting our burdens though. If we don't cast our burdens on the Lord, then how can we expect him to sustain us? Uh, I'm trying to <laughs> really point this out. We have to be running to the Lord. We have to be uh, asking him for help. And another huge one is fellowship, right? Getting around a group of believers who can pray with, who we can, we can pray with and get prayed for um, by, right? People who we can cry with. It's good to have someone you can cry with. It's good to have someone you can laugh with. It's good to have someone who you can confess sin to. Uh, Hebrews 10 verses 24 through 25 says, let's consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting or like encouraging one another and so much more uh, so much the more as you see the day approaching. I also like, reminds me of Ecclesiastes 4. It says like two are better than one, right? So if one stumbles, the other's there is there to pick him up. Um, but who can, who can possibly bear it alone, right? You need someone else to help you. I think it says a threefold cord is not easily broken, right? So we need to have other Christians around us who can be encouraging us, who can be there for us, doing Bible studies together, uh, doing all these things that God has called us to do. Um, God really has made us to have community, right? I, I beg of you, like, don't like isolate yourself. It's so easy, isn't it? When we're going through a hard time to kind of isolate ourselves, to internalize the things that we're going through, to not talk about it and just kind of uh, overwhelm ourselves. And then like one day it kind of like erupts like a volcano. It was like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. It's like, oh yeah, I've actually been going through this thing for the last six months and you know, all this stuff, right? Cause we internalize it and we isolate it. Um, we don't allow God to um, use others, right? God's created us to have other people. This is why we have church family is because we can go to one another um, and we can ask, hey, I am really going through it and I don't know how I'm going to make it. Can you pray for me, right? And then next thing you know, God speaks to them or God shows up, right? But the, the thing is we can't be doing it by ourselves. Um, we need help. 
And so the conclusion of, of all of this is in verse 10. Because of everything we just talked about, right? Therefore, uh, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. To good to do good to all, right? We are to look for opportunities on the daily to do good to others. Uh, I love that it doesn't say like, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to ourselves. That's not what it says. It's not about us. Um, it's about serving others. It's about reaching out to others. Um, it's about community. It's about like, what, what did Jesus say? He said, I didn't come to be served but to serve. And Jesus' whole life was accompanied by serving others. Uh, and so because we know this principle, these principles of reaping and sowing, we are to be looking for like, okay, where's the next, where's the next place I can serve? Where's the next, thing, the, next, the next thing I can do for God? The next thing I can do for other people? How can I encourage my brother today? How can I encourage my sister today? How can I be there for others today? Uh, it's, it's not about us, right? It's about serving others, and especially to those of the household of faith, right? Especially to other Christians. Um, Psalm 73, 26 says, my flesh and my heart may fall, but God is the strength of my heart. I just really want to encourage you guys with that today. Like, don't grow weary of doing good. And whatever good you're doing. Uh, don't grow weary in it. I know you guys all have very different lives, um, but whatever it is, like, don't grow weary. What has God called you to? What has God given you the responsibility to do? And it doesn't have to be anything complicated, right? It may just be going and working a nine to five, coming home and loving on your wife. Like that is an amazing calling. And that's, you got to go all out in that, right? We don't want to grow weary in doing good in that. Um, we want to keep doing those things as unto the Lord uh, and, and God will strengthen you, right? And this is again, why we have to be depending on him. I really hope that you're not trying to do it by yourself. And I really hope that if you are, um, doing bad, I hope that you grow weary of doing bad. You know, all sin is pleasurable for a season. That's biblical, right? You will enjoy it for a season. But at the end of the day, when you look back on your life, you will find death, pain, and destruction, right? And I'm sure you guys know this even better than I do, um, that there's consequences for our actions that last a lifetime, right? Um, regrets that you can have that you look back on five, six years later and it's still there. Uh, and, and we want to save ourselves, right, from that amount of pain. I mean, we want to save others from that pain as well. Um, so we want to be doing good. Uh, let's see how we're doing on time. Worship team, if you guys want to come up, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I was two minutes off, guys. I just almost did it. <laughs> but no, in all reality, guys, seriously, if you, if you guys need prayer today, um, I'll, I'll be over there. And I think there's a, a prayer team as well. If they want to come up and just be available for prayer, uh, like don't do it on your own. Seriously, like humble yourselves, right? God, God says that he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Um, if you've been isolating yourself and you've been trying to do it on your own, humble yourself today. Come before God, ask somebody for prayer, receive the encouragement that you need and Get in God's word. Like guys, daily devotions, that is making or breaking your life. Like any of you guys, I don't know, worship team, like doing ministry, that, those kinds of things, people in sound, like get in the word. If you don't have a daily devotional life, you're going to dry up, right? You're, you're going to grow weary. Um, you're going to struggle. <laughs> but when you have God's word, I cannot explain it. I wish I could. I don't have words for it. But 
when you're in God's word on a daily basis, you have strength that you didn't know you had. Like God gives you what you need for that daily struggle. Um, even when you're struggling through things for years upon years, God's there for that. So I really encourage you guys to do that. Uh, and with that, let's pray.